Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is financial advisor and money coach, Jody Lynn Craven. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. I'm realizing I, I recorded that intro right after I had a cold this past spring, and you can hear it in my voice. I got to re-record <laughs> it because it's not so husky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's your burly, extra burly voice. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, yeah. I like that's a good explanation. I like that one. I can go. With yeah, that. <laughs> well, I'm all about changing your perspective so it fits where you want to go. There you go. <laughs> I love it. That is fabulous. Well, we're going to practice changing a little perspective today because our scheduled guest could not make it. Um, once again, reinforcing for me, I am loving it whenever we get a guest through Podmatch. I found you through Podmatch. You found me. Yeah. One of us found the other. I'm not sure which. I found all the really good guests, all the ones that have been coming on that had really interesting perspectives, they've all been through Podmatch. And we're kind of at the point in my calendar where the ones that came in from other sources are filtering out. So I think by July, which is coming up in a couple of days, I think it's going to be either all pod match or people we are, we already know who've been on the show and wanted to come back. Wow. So it's going to be really good from now on. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Good yeah. Good stuff happening. So, yeah. But anyway, that leaves us a little bit at loose ends about what we want to talk about today. So I'm just going to start off by saying, how is it going in Canada? It's going well. It's so nice out here. It's finally like summer, if I dare say. Summer, details at 11. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is beautiful. We have our, our garden is in full bloom with, uh, you know, all of the weeds <laughs> as mm. well. So that, you know, has been preoccupying my time. But also on the, you know, perspective shift, I'm getting a wicked tan. So. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very it's, good. It, it's good here in Canada. There, I mean, there's some interesting things um, politically um, that are going on here. And, and I think, you know, in the United States, and it's been interesting stepping out of that reality and working on becoming the observer rather than going along the, you know, yeah. roller coaster of emotions, oh, if you boy. will. So. That is so much more comfortable. It feels better. It, it takes the weight off of your shoulders. The other yeah. way, I mean, you, you're wearing the world on your shoulders every single day when you're on the other the other tack. But you're right when you get that kind of stand back, far away perspective. It, it has a different feel to it entirely. And, yeah. And actually, one of the best ways to get there is to not look at it at all for a while, kind mm -hmm. of you know desensitize yourself to it, and then go after it from you know that that far away perspective. And it looks different, doesn't it? totally different yeah. well and and then you start questioning um this belief system and it's not even belief system but what we have defined as right versus wrong mm. and i'm not saying that there isn't right versus wrong but when you take a step back and you're becoming the observer you're not as emotionally attached to one or the other you're open to a new perspective you're open to seeing something that maybe you didn't see beforehand it's a great point in fact um with the guests that we had on the show yesterday we were talking a lot about the ted lasso tv series where they bring up the concept of judgment mm. and it's the one I've made reference to the scene many times here on the show in the last couple of months because I really this is one of the few TV series I actually like so it's nice to talk about something I like you know yeah uh, but in the, the, there's this one very famous scene where the lead protagonist Ted Lasso has a darts match with one of the really nasty uh, guys and wins the, the dart match and in the middle of the dart match he does this little soliloquy on the value of being curious rather than judgmental mm, yes. And, have you seen that one? I don't know if you've seen no, it. No, I remember you talking about it. Oh, it's, well, you got to see it. It's beautiful. But anyway, um, one of the, well, first of all, I actually saw a, a reference, I think on social media, some a, a young woman had actually gotten a tattoo that said, be curious, not judgmental because of that show. So the show is actually having an influence on people in terms of, you know, affecting their perspective on things, which is pretty darn cool. But I kept thinking about that whole idea of judging versus being curious. And I love it. I love the whole idea of being curious rather than judgmental. And, and something occurred to me about the word judgment that I, I think I kind of already knew it, but it, it, it kind of coalesced into a clear conscious thought, which is that judgment is kind of like the really nice, polite, high society version of blaming and punishing. 
Mm-hmm. And when you put it in those stark terms, all of a sudden it doesn't sound so good anymore. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because there are a lot of people who believe that injustice, in right? Justice is a big deal for a whole lot of people. I'm not sure if they really fully grasp what it is that they're grasping after. Mm-hmm. What they're asking for. Yeah. yeah. And then you throw in the mix something that Stream of David said, you know, the highest vibration um, being appreciation. Mm. And in that conversation, we were talking about the warped definition of appreciation that we have, that it's something that's quote unquote good. And, and that's why people struggle with understanding appreciation, but also having appreciation for the opposite of, 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 where you're at right now. And if you're at good, then it would be the bad. And with things that are going on politically within, you know, the whole world today, it's not isolated to one country. Mm -hmm. I think taking a step back and looking for that appreciation, that understanding of that other side opens you to a whole new world. It really does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By the way, something else came out of that conversation with the stream of David Something I already knew because you'd mentioned it before, but it hadn't really, I guess it hadn't really sunk in that you are also a channel. And I, and we were talking afterward. I was saying, we got to bring this out more during the show. So maybe this is our opportunity today to kind of, you know, delve into that a little bit and find out more about Jody the Channeler. I mean, give us a little bit of the history. How did all that get started for you? Oh my goodness. Well, when I look back, I had been channeling for a long time. Um, so channeling is basically you're sourcing the other side. So they call mediums, uh, the individuals who source the other side that is the dead. That would be the lower density vibrations. And then the higher density vibrations, people typically call um, us channelers or channeling. It could be, um, beings, aliens, uh, archangels, you know, ascended master guides. Abraham is, uh, a master. Uh, I believe it's a, he, he, she, that being is an ascended <laughs> master guide that, that, um, Esther Hicks is trans channeling. So with the difference between, there's a couple different kinds of channeling. One being conscious where I'm sitting right in front of you and I receive the information. Now, when that happens, typically it's coming through, it's filtering through your own consciousness. So it can be distorted based on your belief systems and, and everything else. It's not, yeah. it doesn't have to be distorted. You know, you can tell a really clear channel, um, in my opinion, when they speak differently, when they're channeling and it might not be, um, a, a vocal thing, like their voice changes that could perhaps be different. But for me, when I channel and I'm really clear, the words are different. The language is different. It's not the way that I would normally talk. Like an example of this would be my guides use precisely a lot. And that is not a word I use in everyday <laughs> language. The other side of channeling would be trans channeling. And there's variations of this trans channeling would be like what stream of David is doing where he allows that being to take over his body. And that's why you can see him moving around and, you know, talking and whatever. It looks like nothing has changed. Um, maybe the language is, is different. I didn't know David before that point, so I couldn't actually tell you. Um, but there's is. also, I, I, I can promise you it definitely is. Cause I, I got to know David really well. And there you go. after you, after you listen to David, you know, like three or four times, have a conversation with him three or four times and then hear Shame with David, it becomes a stark difference. It's a very big yes. difference. Yes, you can tell that it's not this it's not the same person <laughs> yeah. here over versus over here. You can also channel with um uh just allowing the being trans channel with just allowing the being to take over your voice. And that's what you know my best friend Heather does, and hopefully she'll be on the show one day soon. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. Um, but she just allows them to use her voice and then she only trans channels being that she's very, very comfortable with because you're allowing them to control a lot of things. So you got to be very careful on, on what you're doing. Or in my opinion, I like to be careful. So I stick mostly I with, the, yeah, yeah. I stick mostly with the, the conscious channeling. I can trans channel. Um, okay. but when I do it, you would, you, you actually can choose them. That, that's, that's impressive. I yeah. mean, I, for me, being able to do any of it is impressive. You, you, I think I'll take this one today. No, I'm going to take that one today. That, I mean, that's great. 
Yeah. It's practice. It's like, uh, it's like any other muscle. Um, I, I believe that everyone has the ability to channel that other side. Uh, but where a lot of people fall down is they don't really know how to access it. And then once they do access it, there's a lot of channels that have been corrupted because they're not sourcing the information. Like who are you talking to is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a big, massive world on the other side. There is polarity. There's the good and there is the the bad, if you will. So who are you sourcing? And they well, feel now that's interesting. Wait there. I, I, I got to interrupt you for that because that's yeah. really interesting. Um, one of the things that I remember asking the stream of David in one of the many conversations I had with him was this idea about polarity. And if I remember correctly, the answer they gave basically said polarity is it's not a human creation but it is something that shows up in universes like the human universe. Mm-hmm. And, the, and they suggested there are other universes, different kinds of universes, different uh, you know structures and so forth that do it differently, but that these, these universes are constructed in order to experience polarity. But you're talking about polarity actually being a part of the source energy realm as part of that, that, that experience. And that's a little yes. different from what they said. Well, but I agree with both. So I do believe that uh, in this, um, with earth, we have the polarity and, and I believe that there is beings that are connected that are on, I guess the, you know, esoteric side or the, the universe side that are also holding that space and that energy, maybe, you know, like puppet masters or whatever, if you (laughs) will, those (laughs) those dark energies. But I do agree with stream of David in, in that what I have channeled is that on other planets, or other places uh, that that polarity doesn't exist, that contrast is different. Mm. So it, there is no contrast. There is only that light side of things. So um, I think in certain dimensions, I guess there would be both sides of it to to um, represent both sides that we have on the planet here. Same, okay. same, as above as below. <laughs> okay. But, but to yeah. me, the interesting part is the idea that the – if you can call it a world, the world of source is also influenced by polarity. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is the new piece of information. Yeah. Well, I don't know if source is influenced by polarity or if source, and this is just something I don't know, but a hunch we could channel on it. Um, but <laughs> that source for this dimension that we know as earth created polarity um, here. So okay, well, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. A sure. creation of clarity. Cause I think yeah. we're all one, you know, right. we have both sides within us, masculine and feminine. I probably, we probably have the dark and the light within us as well. It's always that yin and that yang within this mm-hmm. dimension that we're living in here. But I think it was created by source. Which makes sense. I, I still try to grasp what it's like like when when you get to what the stream calls your finished state, I can't remember what Abraham calls it, but basically when you when your your physical life terminates and you move back into source energy form. Yes. Yeah. And and in that source energy form, I, I often try to imagine what's it like there, and I'm and I'm kind of getting from what you're saying that in that source energy form, the source energy still experiences polarity. They just experience it differently, and I'm not sure what the difference is. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that they also experience the opposite differently as well. I think it comes from the perspective. Like I think humans, from a human perspective, there's good and bad emotions. This is an Mm -hmm. easy one, right? You know, there's, you know, anger or happiness, right? Mm -hmm. There's the two poles or the two opposite sides. Mm -hmm. But I think when you get to cross over to that other side, when you're as close to source as you can be, I would assume that that would be the closest. Um, that well, it I would feels think you're there like, at that point. I don't, I don't think it's like, it, it, it's yes, close. it's like you're, you're a part of it at that point. You're, you're, you're there. You're totally exactly. the screen, yeah. You know? And I think that polarity is experienced differently as well as the opposite of polarity is experienced differently because they're not so attached to everything like we are. And, and also polarity as I now, of course, I'm kind of working within the realm of this physical world that we're in. So yeah. in a sense, my, my thought process is limited to that. But I, I kind of imagine that polarity is time-based. 
that there isn't so much polarity without time. Ooh, I don't I know. I'm wrong about that, but that that's my sense of it. Yeah, I don't know. Because I mean, polarity also requires experiencing the polarity, and that requires a time frame. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that, either. <laughs> that is a fabulous question. Um, yeah, I don't know. And and when I say polarity when channeling, um, something that I, I want to be clear on is it doesn't mean that it's always bad. Like, hmm. uh, we look at polarity as as like these dark entities that are going to take over your body and, you know, kill you or whatever, right? Like the scary movie stuff. And um, in my journey of learning how to channel, I was corrupted as a channel Um, because, because when you have a very light mission, the other side, the way that it's explained to me, the other side, the lighter that you get, or the more that you step into that light, the, the more everyone can see you in the entire universe, you become, you know, seen essentially, um, by anything and everything. And if you're not careful about who you are sourcing, you know, if you're wanting to talk to your higher self or your ascended master guide, or you want to talk to a specific archangel like Archangel Michael or Metatron or Abraham, you know, you want to talk to someone specifically. If you're not sourcing that and you're not verifying their frequency before you get the information, depending on where you are and what you have set up for security, um, somebody else can come in. It's just it's just like if you had a blindfold on right here and you were talking to somebody, someone else could walk in. And if they have a very similar voice, you might not know unless you're really paying attention that someone else just walked into the room and is telling me something else. I'm going to date myself by saying this, but it sounds like an old fashioned telephone party line. Yes, exactly. It is a party line. We used to have one of those too. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and for me, um, so when, when you, you step into your, your gifts, you start stepping into your purpose within this lifetime, whatever it is, you start to become, um, a higher vibrational being. Let's say your lights turn on and everyone can see you. Now, if the other side, the polarity has a mission that kind of rubs up against yours or isn't going to go well because of you, now they're going to see you and mm-hmm. there's a target on your back. Um, or it potentially could be. So I felt that, that I had a target on my back because of the mission that I have. And, um, I was introduced to new guides from uh, a close friend and I never questioned it. I was just like, Oh, these new guides showed up. They showed up as what they called 13 gems. Um, they said they were like of the ascended masters and I never verified anything. I just took everything someone told me at face value. And then I began channeling all 13 of them. And well, well, that raises an interesting question though. How do you verify? Yeah. Yes. That is a great question. <laughs> Every single being, including us as humans in this human form has a specific energy signature. So you can verify their energy signature and the difference in, in between the two from my experience when I was uh, channeling these 13 gems on a physical perspective, it felt heavy. The energy was really dense. It felt like there was a huge weight on my shoulders. Um, and then there was anxiety that came with the information. Um, there was emotional attachment to it. And I felt like, oh, my God, I got to get this done. And, uh, like it was just this high anxiety and pressure that came through when I was speaking to them. And I didn't even, I didn't even notice that, you know, that was different. But when you're channeling light beings, it's, it's almost like that there's this separation there. They're not, they're not really going to tell you exactly what to do. They can give suggestions, but they have to be very mindful of free will because you have free will on this planet. And that's what we're here for is that free will component. Mm-hmm. And then even when they tell you something bad, like, I don't know, like whatever, you could pick whatever it is that you would infer as a human as bad. The information doesn't come across with that same depth of sorrow, if you will, or pain. It comes across very neutral. And mm-hmm. there's always like this, other perspective of light that accompanies it in my, in my, um, 
examples of channeling or, or my perspective when I've yeah. been channeling. Yeah, well, it so makes it's sense. very different. It makes a lot of sense, actually, because, well, I mean, you, you talked about how humans think in terms of, you know, stuff that's good or stuff that's bad. I, I've actually learned um, in part because of my former co-host, Cindy Chavez, she kind of talked me into this, we had a long conversation about it on one episode. Uh, I, I've kind of left behind the idea of good and evil. Yeah. And I've, I've translated that into desired and undesired. Mm-hmm. Because we have so much baggage attached to good and bad, good and evil, that it was actually, it actually distorts any conversation, often beyond recognition. Either sure. a conversation I'm having with somebody else or a conversation I'm having within my own head. Mm-hmm. So just by translating over to desired and undesired, well, now all of a sudden it becomes a whole lot easier to discern what it is I'm talking about to myself or to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And it also becomes easier to have that perspective you just described where, yeah, the, the news would often be considered, considered quote, bad news, unquote, but it doesn't feel like bad news. It just feels like information. It's just information. Yeah. yeah. It's your, your response to it that right. matters after that yeah. point, I think. Exactly. And, and when I tie in the idea, also something I've learned since doing the show, the idea that I get to choose what my response is, it becomes an entirely different experience. So, I mean, right now we have a friend who, um, a a pair of friends who, uh, one of whom has cancer and is probably close to terminating his life. And the way I'm looking at it is it's okay. I just, that's the way it feels. Um, yep. Now that my wife is closer to them than they are, than I am. Um, they were originally her friends before I met them. Um, so that certainly is playing a role, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, I, I, I have the same kind of feeling I had when my mom passed and when my dad passed. Mm-hmm. And that was, oh, it's about time. I mean, that this is, it, it just kind of fits right now. They're, they're kind of at, at the state of being done. Mm-hmm. And that's where this person is. He, he's pretty much at the state of being done. Yeah. We just did, uh, I have a YouTube show and we just did an episode all on, um, I chose this life. So channeling what that looks like, you know, do you have a green room? Like how, how does it actually work? Do you choose all of the things? It was a fantastic episode, but we were, we were talking about that. Um, you know, everyone playing a role in your life and you signing up for it, you saying, yes, you know, I will, I will be that person. And, and it's easier to find appreciation when you start to look at it from that perspective, because, you know, maybe it's, you really wanted to experience, um, I don't know, flying off a roller coaster to your death. Like that's cool. Right. I don't know. Maybe that you're like, yeah, that's the finale for my life. Whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, we're here to experience things because that experience doesn't exist on the other side, not the way that it does in this dimension. Um, but the person who fixed the roller coaster or didn't, and subsequently caused the accident also has to sign up for that experience to give that to you as mm. well. And what, what a beautiful gift to give you exactly what you wanted. But then we get to the human experience and it doesn't like, now you want to blame the dude that didn't fix the roller coaster and like it's all his fault and he's bad and everything. And we struggle as humans to find appreciation in that. But when you step you back do. to the, the beginning of I chose this or I, I signed up for this life and these people who played these roles in it, they also signed up too to either give me an experience or me give them an experience. Um, I find it easier to find appreciation in that. Yep, I understand. That makes sense. I, I yep. also know uh, what you're talking about often is described as being a soul contract. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, the first few times I was exposed to that concept. Again, you're on the program. And I, I was asking myself, well, what do I think of that? And earlier on, I was much more resistant to it than I am now. I can't say I'm totally on board with it. I am mostly on board with it, but there's a, there are parts of me that aren't quite there yet. I, I kind of suspect I would get there. I'm going to get to the point where I, I totally embrace it. But I also know, like, I mean, just a couple of days ago, I interviewed a guy here on the program who went through a horrific childhood, absolutely mm-hmm. horrific and managed miracle upon miracles almost without help, almost without mentorship to completely turn his life around, turn it into success and go around helping other people. It was, it was, it's almost a miracle that he got to where he is today. And I, I didn't want to bring up the concept during the, the program. I figured that just would be not respectful to what story he was telling. 
But I asked him afterward, and I told him, I, I didn't want to bring this up on the program, but I'm kind of curious. And he says, yeah, I've had people bring up that concept. I don't believe it for a second. Oh, okay. I don't believe, he says, and so I asked him, well, what do you think was the reason why you, you ended up coming here? He says, because a sperm met an egg. I mm. mean, literally, he was not willing to go there at all. So that's part of the reason why I wonder, okay, yeah, I can kind of see the argument for a contract like that existing, but if somebody actually gets here and, and gets it to the point where they're unwilling to even consider the idea that they came here through a contract, I have to take that and give that some respect. Mm, yeah. And, and the respect says, well, among other things, I have to question the idea of how, how they end up getting here. And I don't know the answer. <laughs> I can't say I figured it out. I'm just saying no. I feel the pull in both directions. Yeah. And will you ever truly know until it's your time to cross over? Hmm? Probably not. I don't know. On exactly. the other hand, there, there are a lot of things I've learned in the last 10 years that I never thought I'd learn. So yeah. I don't I don't even rule that one out. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We were speaking of um, verifying, like, who do you know? How do you know right. who you're talking to? And um, one of the coolest experiences I've had with verifying was with my grandmother. Hmm. So I, I don't typically channel people that have crossed over. It's happened a couple of times. They, where I keep my density or my frequency when I'm channeling is, is quite high um, so that I don't get all that riffraff. It's just easier and the channel is clearer. Um, so they have to go up quite a ways in terms of frequency or density to actually get my attention while in the channel. Okay. And so, so I, it's happened once or twice when I've channeled for other people, like grandparents have come in or somebody that really wanted to say something. But for me, the only time that I've ever sought it out when it was when my grandmother died. So my dad had called me and I remember I was at home and he said that she had passed away. And, you know, she was this able-bodied woman, fully, you know, fully functioning brain, like smart, all of these things. And then, you know, her health, her heart started feeling and they put her in to a facility where she had monitoring, like a long-term care facility. And uh, she was convinced in her own brain that as soon as she went there, she would die uh, and everybody would be leave, leave her and she'd be alone and she would die alone and, and all of this stuff. And, and that's exactly what happened. She went from being okay to dying the very next day. Um, wow. not like it wasn't that quick when she moved in, but yeah, quick, you though. know, it was a very quick transition and I, no one really saw it. Like eventually we saw it coming, but it still felt like a shock. Like, wow, we just saw her yesterday at, you know, my auntie Joyce's birthday and she was totally fine. And then all of a sudden today she's gone. And, um, I was grappling with that after I got off the phone with my dad and I wanted to make sure she was okay. And remembering that we all have our own energetic signature, I decided to look for her. So I sat down on my bed and I closed my eyes and I took a deep breath. And then I brought forward what felt like Ludi, my grandmother's name, what her signature of energy felt like. And then I went looking for it within the universe. And then I found her. When you and say you went looking for her, it, you make it sound like it's an actual journey. It, it sort of is. Um, some people would call that like astral traveling where mm -hmm. you're moving your energy outside of, outside of your body, outside of the realm that you're sitting within. So I just moved beyond, you know, the house that I was sitting in and went into the universe. What I have a picture in my mind, it looks like. And I went looking until I found that same energetic signature because it's the same with the soul. It's the soul that carries it in, in my perspective or what I believe. And I found her and I was like, Hey, you all right? Like you good. And she's like, yes, I'm so good. I'm so happy. You know, you don't need to worry about me. And hearing that and feeling the love that she had, that she had sent back to me in that moment was everything I needed. Mm, yeah. And I could certainly resonate with that because I had a similar experience um, when my dad passed. Uh, ah, okay. my, my, my dad passed from uh, symptoms related to Parkinson's disease. So it, it was, I won't go into the details of it, but in, in a word, he starved to death. He couldn't swallow the last three months oh. of his life. So it was pretty miserable. And so his passing was actually a relief. But there's also that piece of you. And I was still pretty early in my appreciation of how all this stuff works, my knowledge really of how all this stuff works. And so you know, there's a piece of me that was wondering, well, you know, 
first of all, does he really continue? If he has continued, how's he doing? All that kind of stuff. My sister has been over the years developing a little bit of psychic ability, practicing, going to courses and all that kind of thing. And uh, about, I think it was, let's see, my dad died on a Tuesday. So it must have been like five, six days later that she went to church with my mom. And my sister isn't really a big churchgoer, but she went with my mom that weekend. And while they were in the service, in the midst of the service, she started getting a massive headache. Mm. And her training had taught her that if you get a massive headache, somebody's trying to contact you. So she said, oh, is that you, dad? And she instantly got a yes. So she felt like she had a connection going on there. And, and my sister, I love telling the story. My sister being my sister, the very first question that came out of her mouth was, what's it like on the other side? We're always so curious. And the answer that came back was festive. And when my sister told me that story, I knew it was my dad. Mm -hmm. And the reason I knew it was my dad is my sister was a drama major in school. She went to theater school. She has been involved with theater a lot of her life. Every, all, all of her ways of expressing things are dramatic. So she would never describe something as festive. She would describe it as awesome, fantastic, incredible. Festive would not be part of her vocabulary. It right. definitely was part of my dad's vocabulary. And that's how right. I knew it was him and not her trying to, you know, create a message or something like that. Yeah. So once I, once I got that, I thought that was, that was pretty cool. And of course, the message got around to the whole family. So we all found out, you know, that she'd had that experience. It affected all of us positively. So when the time came for the memorial service, there was no funeral, it was just a memorial service. Um, we, we all gathered at the church where it had all been planned. And I remember this distinctly. Um, it was the Protestant church. So it, it's handled a little bit differently from the say, way to say the, uh, the Catholics or the Episcopals or something like that handle it. It's, it's a very kind of low key kind of a situation. And they have a, a sort of an after room or an altar room um, next to the sanctuary where they uh, allowed the family to gather. So it was myself, my sister, uh, my brother, my wife, um, my niece. Um, I think, let's see, the owner wasn't in the picture yet. Somebody else was there. I can't remember who it was, but anyway, it was just, it was, it was immediate family and the minister and who I didn't know. I, the only one who knew um, minister was my mom. None of us knew him. And we're just having this light conversation, sometimes talking about dad, sometimes talking about other things and so forth. And I'm looking at the minister's face and he has this really quizzical look on his face. And it finally dawned on me why we were there. We were there so that he could console us before we went in for the service. Mm. And there was no consoling to be done. And that's why he was looking so quizzical. He didn't know what to do. It was a different kind of experience for him. And, and he kind of nailed the point home when he did the sermon during the service, so you can't call it a sermon. It's more like a, it's not really a eulogy. It was sort of a light eulogy. I don't know what else to call it. But anyway, he was talking about my dad and talking about his life and so forth. And he said, one of the things that I want to tell you about is I, I just had the experience of sitting with the family. I was amazed and astonished at how much faith this family has. Now, you have to understand this is a very funny remark. Because the only person in that entire group who went to church even was my mom. Yeah. <laughs> All of us had kind of left various forms of religion behind in the past. So the idea of a religious faith going on the, in the family was ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> but what he was uh, observing, the only way he could think of to describe it was as faith. And that faith is really a, a, that certainty of knowledge you get when you know you've achieved that connection, when you know you've gotten information, you can't prove it. You couldn't possibly go into a court of law and prove that you got the connection. You couldn't even set up a scientific experiment to prove it, but you know, deep down, yeah, I made the connection. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were all, that's what we we're all living on at that point. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Well, and yeah. I think that's the difficult thing about, um, you know, faith in general is, and, and going back to that, that question that you had asked, you know, the gentleman that you were interviewing, he was like, nah, it's not a soul contract. It was just a sperm and an egg that came together. Um, you know, it's not this other side of things is, is like the wind. You can't see it. <laughs> but in terms of proof, when you start for me anyway, when I started to lean into it, there would be beyond, I would feel that beyond a doubt, um, feeling 
because of the way that things lined up. Like mm-hmm. a, a recent experience, I mean, I went, when I started learning about faith, what I started to look at was the the systems that we have within our own body. They're so intricate and so magnificent. Like having everything work so beautifully together, even on the planet, outside of our own bodies, like that is just mind blowing that this has, has been created and that lends towards my faith. But even small things like I went, I was driving somewhere. It was in the city where I have my office and I got this, I, what I would call a download, basically my higher self telling me, you know, some sort of instruction because we have this connection all the time. You know, some people call it gut feelings. And I think that a gut feeling is a little bit different. Um, but we have this connection to this higher level of information all the time. It's just whether you're turned on or turned off. And I don't mean that in a second. <laughs> whether you've turned it on or you've turned it off. And our society has has found ways to, to turn that down and turn it off completely to separate oh, yeah. us from that. And I'm not talking about religion, just faith. Um, but I was in the city and, and I was like, I got this message. You need to go to your office. There's someone that needs to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, this is how I lived my life. Okay, great. I'll go see, let's go explore. I'm curious. (laughs) I, I walked through the door and I was turning on the lights. We have this long hallway and then we're, you know, at the kind of the end of the hallway and I'm unlocking the door to go into our office suite and, and I'm turning on the lights and this gentleman passes by and says, Hey, I've been looking for you. Okay. I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, I know. That's actually why I came here today. <laughs> you actually said that to him. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> all good. I just had a feeling somebody had to talk to me. So I came here. And I mean, I could have picked up the mail too. Like it wasn't a wasted trip. It was, you right. know, it was right around the corner. And, and, you know, no harm, no foul in this curiosity, you know, curious journey that I was going on. But it was just, it's in those moments that I continue to build a case for there's so much more going on to, to life than what we see in this third dimension. I think the word that I have found describes it best for me is the word resonance. Mm-hmm. Because I remember the first time, for instance, that I heard uh, some of the recorded workshops of Abraham. Yeah. And hearing the way they expressed themselves through her and what the thoughts they were passing along, the concepts they were encouraging us to listen to and, and absorb and think about, they all resonated. I mean, there was just this feeling inside that, that kept coming back. Yes, 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 yes. It was a continuous series of yeses, like nothing I'd ever experienced in my life before. Like pure truth. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was almost a little bit scary, a little bit freaky, because I had not experienced anything like that before. And, and instantly, my defenses go up and say, okay, well, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's, pull, who's yanking my chain here? <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> right. But I didn't, I didn't hang with that one very long, but, but the thought occurred to me, like, you know, am I being manipulated in some way here? Is someone Mm -hmm. pushing the right buttons because they know the right buttons to push? Because boy, they were the right buttons. Let me tell you, they were dead on. Yeah. yeah, And and to to a certain extent, I still think about that at times, but no, the the resonance is so strong that I, I pretty easily just say, yeah, I, I I can't prove any of it, but it's true. Mm -hmm. I know it's true. And if I can't prove it, well, well, that's their loss. Yeah. Well, and I think that this, this connection is often turned off because of the definitions and attachments we have to, again, good and bad, true Mm. or false. Mm. You know, if I say, if I believe in something that is false, if we follow this thread within our own mind, if I believe something that is false and then it turns out it is false, then I'm embarrassed. And then now that Mm. means that I'm an idiot. And if I'm an idiot, then you, you go down this, this trail of like, like, then I've done something bad. And the so basically definition... paving our way to us, to it not working. That's really what you're saying here. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's looking at these words that we're, we're using and what's actually holding us back from, you know, jumping off the cliff in terms of faith mm-hmm. and believing in whatever you want to believe in, but believing in it, believe, believing in yourself even 
wholeheartedly. It's these definitions and what we think will happen if we, you know, follow through with something and we don't know a hundred percent or we fall down or whatever. It's all of these things that we've created in our own mind that stop us from having this, this deeper connection with ourselves and this deeper connection with the universe. Which by the way, actually the part that made it easier for me to accept knowing yeah. that we can, because it really reinforced for me just how freaking creative we are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, we're creating blocks for ourselves. We're creating resistance points, but oh my God, we're creative. The ways, the variations we can come up with to stop ourselves from going down these roads are infinite and we demonstrate all of them. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's that what you just said was so beautiful, Walt, because you can see that you've detached from from any sort of meaning around it. Like, oh man, I created another meaning around this and yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. bad and blah, blah, blah. You're like, wow, fascinating that my brain can do that. What else can it do? Right, that's a exactly. beautiful perspective. And that's appreciating, you know, all of all that it is. That's beautiful. It, it, it goes beyond appreciation in one sense. It, it more feels like being blown away. Like, Holy crap, where did that come from? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. What else can I create? <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, wow. And of course, when you start kind of paying attention, looking for that, noticing it more often, you see it, of course, all the time. And it starts showing up in a variety of different ways and a lot of different circumstances, different people and so forth. And I think that's where the reinforcement comes in because really that's what we want. I mean, it, it, Abraham points out a belief is a thought you think over and over again. Well, it's a, it's the reinforcement of it. You keep going back to it over and over again. It starts to become familiar. It starts to have a sense of continuity to it. And it, even if it's a false thought, it can still have a sense of continuity to it. And by yeah. false, I mean one that doesn't actually serve us. Exactly. I, 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 I kind of take the whole idea of ill will out of the equation because I used to go there and I came to realize that I was the ill will. I was the one generating, you know, the, the, the boogeyman. <laughs> right? I, there was actually a time in my life. I, I told you yeah. the story about how, you know, we, we were, our businesses got wiped out and we were in desperate straits and we're deep in debt and all this other stuff. And there reached a point in time when I actually said to, to Louise, I think I'm cursed. I think somebody is blocking me. I really did believe that. I, I didn't realize it was me. Yeah. <laughs> I am cursing myself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In that moment. Well, and, and once that groove gets so deep, you've done something a certain way for a certain amount of time, whatever it is, it's different for everyone. But the more that you do it, it becomes so comfortable. Then we start building up these other belief systems on top of it. Like if yes. it's not like this, then I am unsafe. There's, there's something that we're going to lose that, that we value, um, that puts us into this like panic mode again. So it keeps us in that on that track over and over and over again. So there's like this whole ball of wax that you need to uncover as to why you're doing said thing. And, and if it's actually serving you, if it's not, then building a new case for yourself, or that's what I call it with my students, like a lawyer, you build a new case of what yeah. you want to see, because right. it's only that you're seeing these things because you're so focused on seeing those things. So your brain delivers, the universe delivers, because this is what you're asking for. So you have to learn to build a new case for yourself to have this new experience. That, that's where I really learned the, how powerful this this power that we have to focus really is. Um, yeah. the, the, the joke phrase I like to use to describe it is be careful where you point that thing. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because it, it really is like that. It's yeah. almost like this weapon. If you don't really, if you aren't careful, you can blow something away. <laughs> but, or more metaphorically speaking, it, in more actual terms, it's more like, well, you, you could start really bringing something into your life you don't want anything to do with. Yeah. Because you just keep going back to it over and over again. And, and, Boy, is that effective? It's scary how effective that is. Yeah. So, um, I, I think if 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 I were to adopt the idea, and I kind of lean this way, but not totally. If I were to adopt the idea that we came into this life in order to learn something, lots of people advocate that. Lots of people say, "Yeah, we came here to learn certain things." And I, I kind of scratch my head, said, "Well, maybe I don't know. I'm not 100 yeah. sure about that." But if we did, the one thing I know that would fit that for me is learning to come into this life to recognize consciously how to control my focus. Mm -hmm. That actually does make some sense to me. 
Yeah, conscious have, awareness. Continuous, we have continuous opportunity on this one. It's mm-hmm. continu- it, it never, ever stops. No. And until we are willing to actually start doing it, start deliberately focusing, we're in that default mode. And that default mode is like being a, uh, in a, in a you know, attached to a cork floating in the water. You have no control at that point. There is seemingly yeah. have no control. And you're just bobbing all over the place, you know, and depending on how bad the winds are that day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I can see the value, first of all, of learning to focus. And second of all, I can see why, yeah, this entire life is focused on focus. It's all about, hey, focus, come on, focus. Hello, testing, one, two, three, focus. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the whole reason why we have contrast. Like, this is another example of what you maybe you don't want. Okay, mm-hmm. here, but like to bring you back to what are you focusing on? What are you calling into your life? All of these things. And I think it's so funny because at, at a point in time in my life, I would get so mad. You know, like, am I not done with this stupid lesson yet? And And then it shifted. I shifted my belief system enough and my consciousness enough to, to recognize we live on a planet with contrast. Mm-hmm. Like this is the, this is what this density is all about, the experience. So it's not like I'm ever going to be done or ever going to be perfect. Right. That doesn't actually exist. Yet I can have perfection. Like it can feel so perfect regardless of what's happening in my life. I can have that perfection right here in this moment, but I will never be said societal wise perfect. My life will never be absolutely perfect because this is where we live. And we're just in this constant evolution of understanding ourselves and understanding the universe. And when I decided that I don't want to be angry about that anymore because there's no done point. <laughs> Throw that out the window. There's no done point. We're constant evolution forever until we leave this planet. And then, then we come back for round two or three or four or whatever. Cause I do believe we reincarnate, but instead be curious of, Oh, cool. How am I growing now? What am I discovering about myself? It's like this epic journey that I go on with me pretty much every single day. Like, Hey, Jones, where are we going? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. That's yeah, yeah. true. It's funny when you said that about the reincarnation. I, I remember um, Louise and I got a gift from, I think it was from my sister, uh, a psychic reading one day. And mm. so we, we got the psychic reading and the, the psychic told us how many times we'd been in, in the same life together. And the number was in the thousands. And I and, and how many total lives we'd experienced here in this realm. And if for Louise, it was like, in the two to 3000 range for me it was in the one to 2000 range. And I remember my two reactions to it. My first reaction was, wow, I think it was 1600, 1700 times, something like that. And then my second reaction was what only 1600, 1700. What happened after or before that? Yeah. <laughs> it was both at the same time, both reactions. Like, wow, that's a lot. And okay, well, I mean, an eternal being, what happened to the rest of it? Yeah. What happened to the rest? Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. So you, it, it's funny how perspective works this way. And once you start becoming perspective, is that a verb? I think I just made one. I think so. When you're perspective, when you, when you are constantly engaging consciously in, in changing and, and looking at different perspective or perspectives, you find yourself doing things at the same time. On the one hand, that's a really big number. On the other hand, what happened to the rest of it? You start seeing things from multiple perspectives continuously. Mm-hmm. I, I find that goes on a lot. I, I was noticing it. Um, I was out on a walk today and during the walk, there, there was this one little conversation that I didn't like the result of a whole lot. It wasn't bad. It, it wouldn't fall into the bad category, but I just didn't like it very much. It kept coming back. And I kept replaying it in my mind and I was starting to get annoyed. <laughs> I, I was actually calling out to my mind, stop it. Enough of this already. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, play again. And I, I went through this a number of times and stuff. I finally remembered, oh yeah, we're pretty rough on ourselves. What do I have to do instead? <laughs> so once again, new perspective coming into it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. When, when you get on this track of constantly looking for new perspectives, they start to come. Mm-hmm. They come at the most surprising times. And you mm-hmm. don't necessarily even have to be in conscious mode to you know, say, I am going to consciously change perspective. You just start changing perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. 
I guess yeah, perspective is wild. also about it. Yeah, it is wild. Yeah. 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 It does become kind of a habit. You start looking at things, life differently. Yeah. That's, you know, that's one of the things that my friends say often about me is that, you know, I have this wildly different perspective on things. Like I can switch anything to the positive. I'm just, I just know how to take a far enough step back, mm-hmm. step back to see something different. And I've had practice choosing something that feels better instead. You know, mm-hmm. I can continue on this track that feels like crap for me. You know, like you were kind of doing with that conversation, right? Like, I don't want to do this. And I mean, it's not perfect. Um, I can't do this like every single time when something's really close to my heart. Then, you know, it's it's a deeper conversation than if it's like I shouldn't have ate that ice cream or whatever. Right? <laughs> There's levels to this, but it's that constant choosing of, no, I choose what feels good for me unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, I remember um, the first episode that you were on with me, you were on the show, and, and I instantly responded to that piece of you because that piece of you came through really clear. This idea that you could you could always find that that really approving and appreciative way of looking at anything, mm-hmm. and I valued that so highly. That, that's why I think within 24 hours I sent you an email saying, "We want to be a co-host on the show." <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and here we are now. <laughs> yeah, here we are now. You know, yeah, but, but I, that's how much I've I've come to value that kind of thing. I, I I love it with all the different perspectives I get from the guests who are on the mm-hmm. show, and every once in a while I do like to ask somebody to be a, a co-host but i love the fact also that by looking at these perspectives i keep looking for more perspectives yes. it's become habitual it has become just part of my routine so i, I, I may not be perfect at it. i don't really care if i'm perfect at it. i'm so much better at it to me that's the whole question it isn't am i perfect am i better and the yeah. answer is a resounding yes mm-hmm. and it's getting better all the time to quote yep. the beatles i mean it really does get better and better and better and better so And with it, life, when you have a new perspective Mm -hmm. on your reality that is in front of you, life gets better. Yeah. Just I've found it's way more juicier this way than it was before. Like I'm having way more fun. (laughs) Oh, me too. Me too. (laughs) I've been down the other road. I went down that road for 50 years. I have, if, if we come onto this world and come into this life, needing, and I'm not quite sure why, but needing to experience all this negativity to appreciate the other side, I got my dose. Yep. <laughs> I got yeah. my dose big time. <laughs> yeah. But there is a question that, that my friend and I have been kicking around that um, okay. there's this conversation of new earth and that we are ascending as a population. We are ascending to this new density um, and the earth, some people you talk to, the earth will completely destruct um, some people will stay there and they will just be in that, that contrast forevermore. Well, in, until they, you know, leave the earth and then if they choose to reincarnate there, but basically this new planet, new earth, um, that is a new density and a, a new vibration and there, um, that polarity, that contrast no longer exists. Now, the question that I've mulled over in my head is, is it boring? <laughs> I, I think it is. Maybe. Yeah. Like if all you know is bliss, um, you don't know that there is, there is the opposite of that. So then maybe you have less appreciation, but maybe you're more of an evolved being. I don't know. I don't know. That's an answer I don't have. (laughs) I I, I actually don't go. I know what you're talking about. I mean, I've had that conversation with others. I've heard others express similar kinds of views. I don't think that it's a new earth. I think it's the same earth. I think it's just us changing. Mm, could be. I, 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 I think actually this earth is, is pretty darn cool right now and it gets cooler. And I don't mean temperature wise. I mean, yeah. in terms of like, this is like, this is a great place. Yeah. I think it becomes, if it was a desirable amusement park before, it's an even more desirable amusement park afterward. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of a feeling to it. So yeah, I, I don't really see it being replaced. I see it being enhanced. Hmm. I see the that sounds good too. And, and plus, there's also another point that I and I made this in you know, conversation with the stream of David. Um, this is a more recent one, dating back two or three months or so, because um, during this particular episode of the show, the stream was really hammering on the idea of um, the importance and the value of the polarity and how useful it is to us. And 
there was also there were others in the conversation. I think Dan Mangana might have been a part of that one. Not 100% sure who was involved. But the point that was coming out was, well, we need this this polarity. We, we, it's, it's so important and, and we, we, we need to embrace it and we need to you know, feel good about it and all that kind of stuff. And, and okay, I'm okay with that to an extent. But it was getting to the point where it's all polarity, polarity, polarity. And by polarity, they meant bad stuff, bad stuff, all this stuff, nah, 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 all this drama and so forth. And the, the thought that just kept going through my head is, is, is there, is there like a drama shortage going on that I don't know about? <laughs> is there like a polarity shortage that I'm missing the new deadline on? <laughs> I don't think there is. No. <laughs> You know, so why are we getting freaked out about you know the end of polarity? Because I don't even see it on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot. I I don't know. There's another question that I have um, that I don't have fully fleshed out enough to talk about intelligently. But okay. I I can say this that I, I think. It goes along the premise of we are all connected and, and the premise of we are all one. So the theory of, um, God or the universe, whatever, if you will, um, has decided that it wants to have all of these different experiences. And thus that is us. We are all a divine spark of God, the universe. Um, so we are all one, mm-hmm. and, which means that you and I are the same on, on some level. We're just having this different sure. experience. We look different. So. Then when I had that, that ectopic pregnancy and lost the baby and all of that stuff, this question came back up when it came to emotions. Like, is there really, uh, like a good and a bad, like a happy or sad, um, or is it the same? Is it one <laughs> and you're experiencing this side versus this side, but you can transmute to the whole? Sure. I, I think I think that the answer to the question is yes, if that is a question. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I think the answer is very clearly yes. Of course, it's all part of the same whole. Yeah, it, so then I mean, it doesn't I'm, actually exist independently of one another. It is the right. same thing. Yeah. 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 And maybe right. that's why when, you know, you have a tragedy, they always say that there's like collateral beauty or silver lining or something like that. There would have to be if that was true. If they were one. Well, it's also why the pessimist would behave the way the pessimist does. The pessimist will take any beautiful situation and find the dark cloud. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the exact thing. same phenomenon. It's just which yeah. side are you looking at? Yeah. Yeah, we get, the, well, that, we get the choice. We get to decide which side we're going to look at. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, right. The grand, the grand illusion is believing we only get to look at one side. Yeah. We're not trees. No, we're not. <laughs> Although tree, I would, I don't want to take away from trees. Trees are actually pretty smart too. But yes, they are. <laughs> yes, plants incredibly smart too. Yeah. Totally different topic. But oh, yeah. the more I learn about how they protect themselves, the the wilder I think they are. And so. and animals too. Mm-hmm. Animals, insects. I mean, I have in the last ten years since I've been doing this show, I have a completely new appreciation for life in all its forms. Mm-hmm. And I'm still exploring the forms that, that science doesn't consider to be alive, but I consider to be alive. And yeah. still trying to, to put those forms into words and the concepts so I can understand. Them. Like I, I'm still not quite sure how a rock is conscious. I just know that it is. Yeah. But I can't describe it anymore than that because I really have not, I have no frame of reference to work with. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I don't know either. I just feel the frequency. Like, look at all those rocks back behind my head. Yeah. Right. They're crystals, but I call them rocks. <laughs> and, and rocks definitely have measurable frequencies. So we know that that's true. You know, mm-hmm. so it, consciousness in my mind has to be a part of it. I think I equate consciousness and vibration. They, the two go together. You can't have one without the other. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we got woo this particular episode. We, we, we went over the woo dam. <laughs> yeah, we sure did. All the woo. <laughs> All the woo that's fit to record. That's right. <laughs> that's what you get here on LOA today. Nothing but the woo. No, yeah. <laughs> no but this has, been, this has been really good. I want to continue in, in future conversations, talking more about your, your channeling experiences and so forth. And maybe, yeah. we can get you, maybe we can get you to do a, a stream of David type, type uh, show sometime. 
Sure. Yeah. I'd love to. My, my guides are, are who guide me with abundance consciousness. They call themselves the abundance consciousness council. Um, so they've got lots of really great, um, material and, uh, a lot of really great insight. So, so yeah, we're, sure. bring, we're bringing ACC in. Yes. Right? That's be an acronym, right? Yeah. I just call them AC, but okay. yeah, we could call them ACC, but yeah. Well, either way, that's fine. And well, it's your group. You get to name them whatever you want. It's yeah. Really okay. Well, we'll just call them AC. It's easy. Okay. All right. so AC. Yep. We'll bring them in and, and uh, see what they have to say. That'd be lovely. Sounds good. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. So thank Amazing. you much. Thank you. Podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. 